Good morning and welcome to day four, number 95 with the man Frank Scalish as we march towards Christmas and show number 100 where Frank will be in studio on January 19th nope. with a special run. I thought what? it was the 26th. Did we change it to the 26th? Yes. Oh yeah, Almost. we did. See? I got the number right on the show, and then I got the date wrong. Eventually, I'll have a solid opening. I didn't startle you in the opening this week, though. No, because because I am under the weather. I, I've been Still. sick s- since Thanksgiving. Have ruled sick. out COVID, have ruled yeah. out the flu, yeah. have ruled yeah. out strep, have ruled Every, out mono. Everything. I, I tested for everything. I don't have anything. So <laughs> apparently, my illness is, you know, like my outboard. <laughs> There's a problem. Nobody knows what it is, though. But you went and picked up the vessel. I picked the vessel up, yes. It is the in vessel, your possession again. The vessel will be soon traveling down the road to see another doctor. You got out on the water, though, this week, I heard. Yeah, dude. Got out Tuesday. Me and Frankie went out Tuesday. Caught some beauties. Put put a Put a four-and-a-half-pounder or in the side of my hand with a jerk bait, which was fun. How did that work? Well, it was a dumb, it was dumb is what it was. So I, I was catching them on a perfect 10 <laughs> okay. and um, lots of hooks, nine hook points on a perfect. 10. Oh yeah. And, and you know, it's a long bait, so they're nice and spread out. So you have a, you have even a higher chance of getting impaled. And um, I hook up the first fish of the morning. I hook up and um, I told Frankie, I said, dude, get a little video clip so I could post it on Instagram. He's like, yeah, cool. I, and so I, I said, look out, I'm going to get in. We were in my aluminum boat, so it's only 14 feet long. And I have to get into the little hole in the boat so I could belly land a fish. Right. Because I can't do it from on top in that boat. And um I go, look out, I got to get in the hole of the boat. And he's like, no, just get him from there. Get him from there. And he's, you know, got his camera going. And the fish starts to flail around. And I I grab the line, not hard, just, you know, hook the line with my hand to steer the to fish. To guide it. To guide him in my direction. And he starts, you know, he's doing all this crap with that five-inch, you know, gaffs hanging out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm being real careful because I, what I want to do is I want to I want to snatch him by the jaw as hard as I can hold them, and then he can't put the hooks in me. And then you can do the bling drip where like, ah, yeah, there it is. Look at that beauty. Right, 100%. Yeah. You know, yeah. splashing water the whole nine yards. Anyway, didn't work out so well. I went down to grab him, and he did another head shake, and he put the hooks in my thumb. And he started twisting and rolling, and he came off the lure. And then, um, of course, I didn't come off the bait. Um so then, yeah, so that was it. That was the first fish of the morning. So now I'm casting, and my reel's getting all covered in blood. My line's getting all covered in blood. So I, you know, I'm like, well, I better, I got to stop the bleeding because everything is getting gnarly here. So, and then uh, when I went out to proceed to catch some, which was fun. Yeah, I, here's the problem, though. I think you maybe gave up, gave up where you caught them, Frank, based on the background. Because yeah, if, what... I mean, I mean, if I go to the, you know, everyone knows, everyone knows you can look at the background and figure it out. And you might have given up a little bit 
of too much information. There's uh, there's your Instagram. Look at that. The professional blackout behind the large mouth. <laughs> I got a yeah, kick because, out of it. Well, because, because everybody's, they got, you know, our lakes are very small. And so there's some keen observers out there. So we, so Frankie actually did that on his phone and then sent it to me because my Android does not have, I caught him in the dark room. <laughs> Good lighting. So that was Frankie getting, getting a little bit of the hide the background. Yes. hundred percent. 100%. All right. Uh, there's also maybe a clue as to what we're getting into a little bit on today's day four. If you have been following Frank Scalish's Instagram and Clay, Clay, uh, Scalish underscore fishing yeah. for those that don't yet. Clay jumped the shark. <laughs> I think he said earlier, he said, Frank's been posting some Mona Lisa's. Those old Revel craw cranks look nuts. Well, I am pleased to announce that you have those said rebel craw crankbaits yeah. in your possession today and you're gonna show them off yeah and i'm gonna show you my i'm gonna show you my four favorite colors in the rebel craw because i unlike a lot of people still fish them today um but we'll just we'll get into that let's yeah. just bloviate for a minute why did people stop fishing that thing that was my question before like i think we all started was it okay I'll, i don't know i'll be honest Maybe because they, it was not, they were some of it was, it, they're kind of hard to fish. They seem to run great on a spinning rod and creek and stuff. But, you know, back in the day when I got them, I remember it wasn't all a hundred. You'd get that one that would run like up on its side. You know what I mean? Like the old ones sometimes. Yeah. But now they, they're pretty dialed they're, in, right? I mean, you can cast oh, yeah. and crank them and they grind on the bottom. Yeah, dude, I throw them. I've I've thrown them on my baitcaster my entire life. Okay, so why why are they out of favor in tournaments? I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. It, the bait here, look, the bait the bait has, and we'll circle back to them then. But but that I mean that's oh, a legit. You wanna, we'll qu- circle back. No, no, no. That's a legit question. Well, because new stuff comes out. So here here let's let's talk about this because that's for real. So. The Rebel Craw, and remember the deep we are? 100%. Yeah, those oh, are still very sought after. The right, and, and they don't make them. They discontinued them a long, long time ago. And the original deep we are was a money bait for me. And so that's why I started throwing the deep we craw, because those two baits combined – I caught so many bass on them in my early days in the tournament trails that they, they were never not with me. And so what happened is the, the deep we are had a little tighter wobble. It hunted in the rocks really mm-hmm. good. And the deep we craw has a wide wobble to it and it roots around in the rocks really good. The, the deep, the deep we craw, the D 76 size. Okay. That's this one, the D 76 size. The deep we uh, craw roots in the rocks, and it is looks, that this one right here. Yeah, that's that one. Okay. So that that so D seventy six. Yeah. So in other words, and that color there is one of my favorites. It's an olive bone and orange, but I don't know what they named it. Um, I'll show you my favorites. I have them. Okay. But at, but at any rate, um, so it roots around really good. So when I'm when I was fishing you know, rocky points and stuff like that from, you know, two to eight feet. That's what I was throwing mostly. 
was the, that Rebel Craw. In derbies. You've chucked one in a derby. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've, I've won a lot of money locally on these things here. Um, and, then, and then so here's what happens. Back then, don't forget, we didn't have the really summertime deep diving crankbaits yet. They were just starting to come out. And then Fritz made, you know, Pose famous. And then everybody started gravitating towards the big build deep divers. Um, and that, and back then, too, don't forget, Bassmasters fish seasonally. They didn't focus around spring events. Most of it was throughout the season. So you would have an opportunity for a really good offshore summer bite. So then the big deep diving crankbaits became very popular. And that's what started selling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your shallower baits kind of went to the wayside just because of, you know, because of that, really. And then and then, then now there's a rebirth in square bills and everything else because most of the tournament trails are predicated around shallow water bites. Um, with the exception of some of the smallmouth events, they're predicated around the shallow water bites. So the square bills get more popular. Uh, chatter baits and that sort of thing so you can see trends in the lure industry they follow what the tournament trails are are doing screw it show them now uncle frank then we'll circle back to what else we got going on we're show them now okay we're, we're in it we're already in it we we're can't stop it. the momentum that's what the people came to see okay so here's what here's what i'm going to do i'm going to show you my my favorite old school colors um that i throw to this day this is brown, bone, and orange. These are all available production yeah. colors. Yeah, these are production colors. That's the standard one. When I went up to Canada with my parents from the time I was 8 until I was 15, I would get the Rapala G11s, G13s, the Big O's, and that bait right there. That yeah. exact bait. And I'd get like correct. five of them. That's 100% correct. These, this was the brown bone and orange is money, and then the olive bone and orange. These are my two top. Whoop, where the hell did it go? These are my two tops, okay, top favorites. And then, of course, you can never, ever, ever, ever not have the hot pattern, which is basically brown chartreuse and orange. Those have upgraded hooks and components and everything on them. Like, those are in your those, box. Yeah, these are the ones I fish with. That's what I'm saying. I still use them today. And then, of course, you got to have, you know, your red version for early spring. And I think this might be Texas Craw, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, these are, these are like, when I tell you I still fish them, it's not BS. I'm, I mean, I mean, here, look, these are my spares that I just pulled out of the boat. How do you have those organized? That's a little that's a little sneaky deal that you got right there. Yeah, I put them in these little bags and then I have them they hold Are those three. just like Amazon bags or what kind of bags are those? Hell, you put your weed in there. I don't know what kind of bags <laughs> these are. <laughs> well, I mean for the for the iTunes listeners, they're like little miniature little... plastic bags but they fit three crankbaits perfectly. Right, they're they're without um, hooks. Yeah, in fact, I'll tell you, okay, since we're doing this, we're going to go deep dive. We're going to go dimensional. So this is, the bag is actually three inches by five. It's three by five. Three by four, my bad. 
and it holds three it holds three uh, deep wee craws side by side with no hooks and that's this is how I store them oh they're available everywhere if you just type in three by five oh yeah here's, they're, here's they're a hundred of them on Amazon for five bucks yeah they're they're nothing dude so so this is this is you know how I store Jeez. them. <laughs> I, I really want to put this up, but I shouldn't, but I'm doing it. said, the deep weed are. <laughs> <laughs> it's the deep weed are. <laughs> Smoke uh, them if you got them, boys. Okay, so, that, so five bucks. I need to order some of those because those are the absolute perfect size. That keeps right. the rust out of the way, keeps the paint perfect, and then you just 100%. throw hooks on it. That's right. And so I stack them up in a, in a little box, and, and they're, they're in my spare so I'll, I'll have some in the boat, some in the truck, and if I break one off, lose one, I just go back to the truck and get them. Yeah, okay. exactly. Four, Four mil, mil is that a, those are kind of beefier than just the yeah. real thin plastic ones that'll bust out. Yeah, Jim's legit on that. I'll always go for the heavier mil, the millimeter yeah. a bag. A four mil does. thick three by five. That right there. I mean, that's the tip of the show right there. Yeah, sort of. So right, where were we going? Sorry, I hijacked. Yeah, so so those those are my four favorite colors in this bait, okay? And and honestly, if you guys if you guys aren't throwing it, you're crazy. Because you don't get more crayfish than that bait. And 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 believe me, it, it catches them. So what I did was I decided that um they needed a facelift. And so I started to play around with colors stuff that i see going on here and in my travels across the country um i wanted to get more it's look honestly it's hard to get more realistic than that okay i mean i mean that's that's insanely realistic but i wanted to get even more realistic so that's when i started monkeying around so matt can you pull up a picture of a rusty craw I believe I can. Rusty crayfish. Rusty crayfish images. Uh, They'll have one. It'll be. No, I feel like this is a pretty good. Clean. It'll be clean. It'll be real clean. It won't be too obscure. Hold on a second. I got to go back to this. Because I'm going to show you. There's a method to my madness. Um, You know, this. This. How's that? Okay, that's good. They have one in the water, too, which brings out a little bit more of the blue in the crayfish. Well, we can go find one in the water. It'll be spread out in the water, a semi-top view, I think. Okay, keep talking about it then. Okay, so so here's the method to the madness, all right? I was was getting a little goofy because um, when I make my, my jig skirts and stuff, I look at actual photography of these animals in the water. And then I make my jig skirts to look like they look in the water. And so I said, why don't I just do that with the rebel craw and make them actually look like the animal they really are? Because then their representation, okay, that's brown because of the rocks. But okay, anyway. (laughs) We'll, We'll keep working on it. We got time. Yeah, so anyway, so so that's what I do, okay? So so I said the crayfish bait will be a really good bait to do that on. 
because I can get really detailed and I can make it look exactly how they look for real. And then it doesn't matter what water conditions you're throwing them in because they'll be represented like that last picture Matt showed. The thing looked brownish because of the stones on the bottom. Okay. Okay. That's a good, perfect picture. In fact, that's the picture that I use. That's my model. All right. So take a gander at that. And then, and now I'll show you the bait. That's called the rusty craw. All right. That's a very common crayfish. In fact, now it's becoming an invasive, invasive species in a lot of areas. So what I did was I painted the rusty craw. Oh, geez. You follow? Yeah, you can do that. One more click and we're on. Did your light just go down or something? Yeah, there we go. That's uncanny. Right? Yeah. And so that's 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 this bait right here. That's impressive. So then so then I said, okay, well let's go to let's go to a do a common craw. Okay. Common craw is basically most you'll find in a lot of streams. Um, they're near shore crayfish uh, in lakes and reservoirs. It's a brown bait. It's a brown animal. It's tan and brown, kind of bony, but not too much bone in it. Um, real pale. It's a muted crawdad, but it has marbling and modeling to it. So that is the common craw. That's a rusty craw, dude. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta know your crayfish. I do not know my crayfish as good as you do. Well, because I research this crap because I paint them. Yeah. Very well. But anyway, that's the, that's a common craw. Okay. There's a crayfish in um Arkansas that looks just like that, only believe it or not, it's got uh, stripes on a stripe on it. Um I think it's called an Arkansas craw. And then, of course, I wanted a, I wanted a hot pattern because I always you always have to have one hot pattern, um, just because sometimes throwing something different gets you the bites. So I made a really detailed fire tiger, kind of the same, you know, same same marbling on it, detailed. And that is not based on any crawfish no this is not it's just is based on me and then then of course here's a, i got a craw with some uh, oranges and red tints to it just because the crayfish can actually change color based on water temperature too yeah i'm looking at it it's amazing the different color crayfishes and it's it's really weird though all of them when they get put in really 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 hot water they turn red yeah and they're that that's when they're the best <laughs> And, and the most delicious. Yeah, that's the hot water one. Just yeah. add butter. <laughs> Just add butter. But yeah, this bait's like a forgotten bait. You know what I mean? There's a lot of forgotten baits out there. Um, this bait's a forgotten bait, but it's a bait that I really never stopped throwing. Um, I got away from it a little, a bit, little bit um, on tour. Some of the grass lakes w was a little tough to throw this. It doesn't come through grass very well. But wood and rock, it crawls right through them. Do you mess with all the different sizes? There's like the teeny, the big, no. the middle. 
No, I the, now there's a there's a there's a teeny deep one um, that's really good in some of the small streams up here. I catch steelhead on them and stream smallmouth, but for the for my bass bass fishing, you know, in my boat, bait casters. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to mess with that. I mean, this bait is not, uh, this bait's not really a, a huge bait by any standards. I think it's, uh, the actual body size is two and a half inches long from claw tip. Yeah, that's to, small. Okay. Cause the teeny wee, the rebel deep teeny wee, yeah. it's gotta be really tight. Yeah. It weighs a ninth of an ounce and has size 14 hooks on it. Okay. Yeah. That's, and that's, and that's, that's a trout killer, that little bait, but that's got to be thrown on a spinning rod. You can't, you can't chuck that on a bait caster. Well, you probably can if you, you know, have like a crappie light. Can you hold them all up at once and just kind of move them around? I think that would be a cool shot. Oh, and then you have it. And then on your tag is that in case these go further than just the, the lab, the scalish lab. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, they're they're going That's how paint. you paint it. Those tags are how you paint it, right? Like you can look at that tag and then copy that paint job? No, you can look at the tag and know what my color name is and then you'll have to look at my formula to That's see. That's so cool. Well done. But yeah, so no, so so what I would do is I would I would paint it, I tag it, label it when I, when I finished it, what bait it is. And then, um, I have a formula that's, that I, that I, you know, write out the colors I mixed in order of how I laid them down everything. So it's like a, it's not, it's like a paint by numbers. If, if you've tied flies, it's like a fly tying formula and that's how I do the paint you know the paint jobs like remember the other show we talked about the xcs booyah xcs mm -hmm. and those kits came in and i and i did a hack on how to put rattles and stuff in them so i painted some of those and i painted some uh pumpkin seeds very nice the other day i just did them some pumpkin seed bluegills And that's that's pretty much that. Uh, will you just go ahead and run through the hardware that you're going to upgrade it with? Like I said, I noticed there were some new hooks on there, and then the line, and and what you're typically going to fish that rebel. Yeah, um, I, I I used to put, believe it or not, I used to put number four or Gamagatsu round bends on them back in the day, until until Gamagatsu came out with the number five. The number five is runs much better on this bait. So I went to the number five Gamagatsu treble, um, and that's really the that's really the upgrade um, that clip. I make. The speed clip always I always throw the speed clip on it. Um, you have to be careful with these baits tuning them. I'm going to show you something here if I can get it in there. Yeah, it looks great. Um, okay, right there. Can you see that right there? Oops. Whoa, whoa, whoa. where am I going? They're they're like a little little um. It's like a little hook in, right in here. Yep. So the yep. line the the eye of this thing it's sensitive to tuning. If you crack it, it won't tune. 
So, so when you put the players on it, when you put your players on it and you're going to tune it and you put your players directly over it, what I do is I don't, I don't move the pliers. I hold the pliers still and I move the bait a little bit. This way I'm not over tuning it with the pliers because any, anytime you over tune a crankbait of any brand crankbait, you have to over tune it to come back. And so what happens, the more you start doing that, the looser that line tie gets, and then the crankbait starts to have running issues, no matter whose it is. So I always am very delicate on the tuning process. Now, some crankbaits like a Fat-Free 7, for example, has a, has a, a, a massive line tie on it, and it's embedded very deep into the bill and it has a concave cup in front of it that one requires some pressure to tune so my fat free sixes and sevens they require tuning pressure my normans require almost no tuning pressure because the most of it's above the bill and you can actually tune a norman with your thumb i used to tune them with my teeth like that, but I don't recommend it because I've chipped my teeth before. But um, it's a very sensitive tune bait, so you don't need a lot. And it's the same thing with the with the Rebel Craw. You don't need a lot to tune this bait, and so do it very little bits at a time. Once you get it tracking, it's tracking. But if you overdo it and you have to come all the way back, you're going to have issues. Um, like the perfect 10 rogues I tune with my thumb. I don't use pliers on those either. Um, because if you over tune them, the more you bend, it's a piece of metal guys. The more you start working it, the weaker it gets and the softer it gets. So you want to be cognizant of this when you tune crankbaits, be delicate. Don't be, you know, in a big hurry. And just explain what tuning is, what it, what okay. exactly like what tuning is. So I know that there's probably a bunch of guys out there who know it, but there's also some, some nuances and subtleties that I don't think in 95 shows you've ever, I, you hear the term tuning a crankbait, but just break that down. I'm going to break it down and I'm going to do a quick, some quick illustrations too. Okay. Okay. So here's what we got. Oh, I got white paper. Sweet. So here's what we got. Crankbait runs. You cast it out. You point the rod tip straight at the bait. A lot of guys pull them sideways. Yeah, you're not getting accurate. Cast it out about 15 feet in front of you. Point the rod tip straight at the bait and, and reel it in. And you'll see the bait. It'll either It'll be running and it'll run straight to you. Or it'll run and it'll start kicking off to one side or kick, kicking off to the other side. So whatever side the bait's kicking off to, you take your pliers. And here, I'm going to do this. This is going to be crazy because it's probably going to be a piece of crap illustration. I don't think you're capable of drawing something that looks like a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. Don't trust me. This is going to be a piece of crap. You're starting at a base that is so much further advanced in the drawing spectrum than 95% of the general public. Oh, yeah. And this goes, this is not just the Rebel Craw. This is for all This is for all crankbaits. We've talked about it. Have we done a tuning show? I don't think we've done a tuning show. No, we have not. We have not. But we Um, talk about it a lot. 
we talk about it a lot. Because, I mean, when you catch one, when you bang it off of the rocks, when you do something, the, the bait gets out of tune. So it's Correct. important to know what exactly it is when it is perfect, what it is when it is out of whack, and how to fix it so it is perfect again. And all baits okay. do this. Every single so, bait gets out of tune. Right. So here's what I got. Okay. When you tune a bait, I, pu- I, reel- I cast it out straight in front of me, point the rod directly at it, and I reel it in. If it comes straight up to the rod tip, golden. If it's kicking off to one side or kicking off to the other side, I hold the bait like this. So this is important. I hold the bait like like that. I put my players on the bait like this. Okay. That's how that's how I'm holding it. The bill, I'm perpendicular, pliers perpendicular. You're not twisting, and you're just going to take. And if the bait's running one, the one way, you go the opposite way, and you take your pliers opposite way. I put them on the thing, on the bait, and then I move the bait the opposite way it's running. So if it's kicking out, you know, if it's kicking out that way, we tune it that way. Opposite way it's running. Not twisting, perpendicular, like that. So that's what that's what it's going to be. So if your bait's running, let's say it's it's running that way, then you want to do the line tie that way. And just a little smidge. Now, like I said, you have to pay attention. <laughs> you literally just drew that? Yeah. You have to pay attention to, you have to pay attention to the type of line tie. So here, I, I have a couple here. Believe it or not, by accident, totally by accident, I have, an, I have a Norman crankbait, a deep little end. Now you see, let me get this, let me get this split And ring. I'm not, it's not that I'm not paying attention. We do have breaking news on another front, and I'm trying to get it so we can show the day four listener. So just keep rolling. Okay, so you see how the, the line tie is above the bill, and it's a thin metal line tie, right? It's not fat. So then if you look at the Norman XCS, you have a countersunk. It's, you see the little, it's countersunk into the bill. And it's got a deep, it's got a deep cavity for the, for the line tie. This bait here requires a little more pressure to tune. Because you can see I'm holding it up and you can barely see the line tie above the bill. Okay. Now the other thing here, let me go to, a, let me just... I have a bomber next gen right here, so I'm going to pop it open. Now the bomber has a, it has a heavy duty line tie on it, so you'll you'll be able to apply a little bit more pressure. See how fat that line tie is. Yep. So you'll be able to pi- apply a little bit more pressure uh, to the bait when you're tuning it. So you have to pay attention to, you know, to to what type of line tie that that it is. Remember, the deeper it goes into the bill, the fatter the bill, the deeper that is, the fatter the line tie is, it requires a little more pressure to tune it. The thinner it is, like like on an XCS, it's right in the front, right here, real thin. This bait, you put the pliers in this way, like that, and you tune it this way. Okay, so that's so that's kind of the things you want to pay attention to when you look at the when you look at the Rebel Craw, it's got a thin line tie, but it also doesn't go very deep in the bill. 
So you have to be careful with that. And so that's what you have to look at. And every crankbait is different. So, but once you get, once you get the hang of it, you could tune anything. They're not, it's not hard to tune a bait. You just don't want to overdo it. You do many little mini adjustments at a time. The more aggressive you are with it, the less likely it's going to stay. Hold up that illustration again, just to where exactly where the pliers are supposed to be on the, on the bait. No, it's not a breaking news about any angler leaving, going, doing anything. So you want to be above the bait down. So I have, that's my problem is I'm not exactly sure where I need to, to grab the line tie in order to maneuver it because you can get it kind of cattywampus if you don't have it dead on. Right. So you want to be perpendicular to the bill. Okay. Straight up and down. And a lot of times I move the bait, not the pliers. It just depends about the line, the line tie. Like on a like on a fat free seven, I'm moving the pliers because you aren't going to tune it moving the bait. So I'm holding the bait solid and I'm moving the pliers. Um, on my on some of the baits that don't have fat line ties, like a Norman, you could you barely have to touch it to tune a Norman. You barely have to touch them, except for the XCS, which I already explained. It has a recessed fatter line tie deeper in the bill kind of thing and so that's and remember that you don't you never twist you never you you never ever twist it's always this way roll not it's twist. never never twist the line tie it's always perpendicular down perpendicular down to the line tie and then it's this way not this way you do that, the bait will never run ever again. Throw it in the garbage because you screwed it up bigger than life. I've messed up some good ones. Oh, dude. Pose were notorious for that. The original pose um, had a real thin line tie, real shallow in the bill. Um, kind of went up and on, up it like that. And it would, it would get loose with the slightest of tuning, over-tuning it, it would get loose. I've trashed so many pose back in the day doing that, um, which is probably why they changed that a little bit. They changed that up on themselves. Right, you ready to see this? This is a first look. I think I can show it. I'm going to show it. Show it. It can't. Like uh, I told you before the show, there's a chance we might get the final proof, and it's not available yet. I I, I can show it, right? Even though it's not. Yeah, why not, yet. man? Yeah, I'm showing you stuff I'm not supposed to right. show you. Bad news, she was unable to find the quarter zip hoodie that you requested. It's She's it's, fired. Well, that hoodie, Frank, that you sent me is 19 years old. I know, dude. I got that <laughs> I got that hoodie in the, the first classic I ever made. I got that hoodie, and I have it to this very day. That's how important that hoodie is to me. But I wear it all the time. All the piping's all ratty. You used to know. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, fire it up. You haven't seen it. No, I have not. Do you like it? Oh, yeah. Loaded to the cork. Loaded to the cork. Haynes, beefy tee, long sleeve, gray, day four Frank Scalish t-shirt. You like it on the sleeve? Yeah, I love it on the sleeve. And and then there's that's actually a silhouette of you. That is correct. Loaded to the cork. 
There it is. Thoughts, opinions? I mean, if not, I'm going to fire it off and say that that one's good to go. I like it. What do you... I, Dude, I designed that thing. I like it. Yeah. Well, it's a... Doug says you look fat in the picture. <laughs> That's called rain gear, Doug. Yeah, it's it's rain it's gear. winter time. And you know what? I might be a little robust. We don't know yet. All you guys see me is from here up. He loves it. That? A lot of people thinking it looks good. All right. All right. We get the thumbs up from the audience. If hat we get backwards, thumb- yes. That's you. That's of course. If you're loaded to the cork, you're. You're wearing the hat backwards. So if you're so if, so in actuality, okay. Oh, she should move the logo over more to the right so it covers my real hand. The Y covers my real hand. Okay. Or, or am I nitpicking? Uh, I mean, I can ask her. It's not like it's in production right now. Yeah, just have her bump it over so the Y covers my hand, my real hand. <laughs> Says, looks like Uncle Frank fighting a big river steely. You're not too far off, Mr. Chris. <laughs> looks good. All right. All right. There we got, we're getting thumbs up, guys. People are noticing that it's a calf. It's a, it's a, it, what is it? A salmon rod? No, it's a steelhead. <laughs> The See, guy was right. The guy was, was right on the money. This is the question, Joe B. You, this was a Frank. Now, we can add a Frank Scalish signature here. We're going to have this discussion. Joe B says Frank Scalish signature. Okay. Who wants the signature? Okay. So Frank did not want the signature on the shirt. He said, ah, why would you wear a T-shirt with another man's signature on it? And I said, because it's day four with Frank Scalish. That's why. Okay, so, so if if I'm all wet, tell me, because we're we're we didn't approve this yet. So we could put like right here. Let's zoom it in more. Like I said, this is proof, but right in that area, we could just have the Frank Scalish signature underneath it. We can make it small and squeeze it in between the A and the Y. Yeah. It's up to you guys. We got to get some. Come on, we need some response here. We got to get some feedback. Okay, we got yes for a signature. We could do a, a mullet. We could do a <laughs> mullet silhouette. Yeah, that's that's that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Tackle box breakdown. Sign it, brother Daryl. Yes, sign it. All right, I will sign a sign piece. Of, I will sign a white piece sign of paper it. and send it in. Well, we've got it already, and or is that not your real signature that we use for the day four logo? I don't know if that is or not. Hell yes, yes, yes. There's not a single no. Okay, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. All right. All right. So I'll, I'll get. I'll get a. I'll do a signature on a white piece of paper, and then. Um, We'll send it in, and and then she can do that. Here, I'll and let put that up. Is that not that's not your real signature? No, that's not my real signature. But we'll put that signature under between the A and the Y, I think. Smaller up to between the A and the Y. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. All right, we'll take the width out, so it'll just be day four there, and then the Frank Scalish signature. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Move the four over just a hair. Cover the real. 
Right. So you guys are going to actually get the real signature. Look at that. That was that. You know what? This is this is what I like. This is like going to McDonald's. You get instantaneous feedback. My feedback from McDonald's usually kicks in about an hour afterwards. Yeah, it's instantaneous enough, ain't it? <laughs> so that that should be up shortly. Like I said, it'll be up on um, Scalish underscore fishing, the Instagram profile, also, uh, also on my Instagram, and then the YouTube, uh, Facebook. I'm working on that, and we're like three weeks away from a redesign of all social media and platforms and all that on BTL. Wow, it's yep. going to be a big undertaking. Sign on the logo. Good stuff. Oh yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, what else we got? We ha- we do have a new color on LureNet. Were we done with the cross? Are we wrapped that? We wrapped that up. Yeah, unless guys have questions. So, are those colors coming out? Are those colors that you're suggesting that they come out with? What's I mean? Are those no, just the, you the, just no, the, chilling? No, those are coming out. It started okay. with me chilling, um, but then you know, as all things go. When you get something that's right, then you want to put it out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I said, I showed you my I showed you my four favorite my four favorite production run colors. I'll just do it real quick. You don't even have to blow me up. So there's brown, chartreuse, and orange. Brown, bone, and orange. And this is one of my all-time favorites, olive bone and orange. Believe it or not, this one here mauls them on Table Rock. And then, of course, for the colder water period, you got to have the red. And what model number is that again? D76. Rebel Deep Deep Wee Craw D76. All right, hold the new colors up. Can you put a piece of paper behind it? Uh, Donald said he would like to enjoy it, but he uh, happens to be colorblind, so it matches in with your shirt and everything. There you go. Hold on. Oh, you're you're going you're going big or go home. I'm going big. All right, we're going big or go home. Pete, I believe you said that. Frank, you said that on four and bigger sized round beds, it, it, it mutes or kind of affects the action that the perfect yeah, size. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, using number, number fives. Five. Number five. All right, I got to close all sorts of stuff to get back to the lure net. Yeah, I, I love the number five in this bait. They don't, they don't hang up. Bait comes through cover good. It runs really good. That's just from experience, you know. But back in the day, we didn't have number five, so I had to stick with number fours. I would love to know, like, why line. Now, Sunline has some odd ones, but I would love to know how people went, like, yeah, we're going to go 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, but then we're going to skip 16 and go to 15, but then we'll do 17, and then we'll do 20, 
but then we'll just do 25. Like, it's it's weird how that worked. Now, I know there's sevens and... and but have you ever seen a 13-pound test line? I have not, but I've Is seen some... Is that a some luck odd, thing? I've seen some... Probably. I've seen some odd-size uh, tippet material uh, fly fishing. You know, like three-pound, um, five-pound, seven-pound um, tippet material for fly fishing. Personally, what I do in that situation is I look at line diameter because I'll look at their 16 and then look at their 18. And then I'll look at other line diameters of 17 and see which one is the same line diameter as their 17. And usually what I found, it's usually the 16. That's the same line diameter. So you got to compare line diameters. Olive orange on beaver or table rock, 100%, dude. Olive bone and orange. Crazy good color. All right, new, is there the new color out in the paint shop? Oh, there's the holiday gift guide out on LureNet. Right, you got to, you got to, you, you guys got to forgive me because I can't keep up with all the sales they got going on. There's, I'm trying to figure out what it is and like everything seems to be on sale over there. Right, so you because it's because you know it's Christmas, the holiday season, so you have to just go on there and check and see what's out there, you know, what's on sale for you guys that you might want. I got to do a, a cough drop, you're doing a heck of a job because I won't make it. I hit the mute button every now and then, I sneak mute in there. No, you do, uh, you do fantastic. New color in the Bandit 100 series, correct, which is. It's actually a hot color, actually. That's why it's called Da Heat. Da Heat. Bring him back to heat. If you were to have one crawfish color overall, like just one, like, hey, I'm just going to have one crawfish color, and it's the only pattern of crawfish that I can throw the rest of my life, which one are you going with? Olive, bone, and orange. Olive, bone, and orange. Yeah, if I have to have one, it's, it's this. Because okay. most of your crayfish will have some form of olive on them. Most of them will have pale spots. Now, I said pale spots, not bone-colored spots, pale. So the bone will ref- will look pale in the water. And then the orange just for a trigger when it kicks around. Now, if you notice what I did, I used my orange as a subtle, as subtle on it. It gets brighter towards the tip of the pinchers especially on the rusty craw because the rusty craw actually has orange tip pinchers with a black band around them. So I really wanted to accentuate that part of it because in my opinion, there's small little triggers that a fish will recognize. And so I try to keep it as natural as I can, even though sometimes I highlight, you know, the oranges, like even in the natural craw, Okay. I took I took it from a bone color and started blending some of the oranges up the craw up to claw to the pinchers. How does that float? Is that a slow floating or a fast floating bait? Can you add dot to like like uh storm suspend dots and stuff on it? To there's a little that? there's a little cup in the bill right here. Uh-huh. Back in the day, I'll just show you. Cause I have my 
tournament baits. Back in the day, what I would do is I would mash a split shot in there. And it wouldn't affect the action. And then glue it. Well, if you go too heavy of a split shot, it will. So it's trial and error, but you see I got it in there. Okay. So you can add that, and it, it'll keep the bait like this in the water. Ah. But it'll, so when it digs down into the rocks, yeah. it'll slow, it'll be a slower rise. But here, let me tell you something, too. There's times when you don't want that. Because what you, when the thing plows into something, if it gets stuck and you snap your rod tip, it'll back up. It'll float backwards. If you have too much weight in it, it won't float backwards. It'll just stay in there. So you got to be, it's a, like if I'm fishing wood, I'm generally not going to put the weight in it. So if you're fishing wood, you want it more buoyant. So it has big deflection and a lot of buoyancy around the branches. And if I'm fishing big, giant boulders too, um, I don't want the weight in it. If I'm fishing pea gravel, baseball size, softball size stuff, let her rip because it is not going to hang up in that stuff. That's good stuff. Can you can you answer me why hair or feather trebles are rarely, if ever, used in the crankbait world? And I feel like as a very small, orange, red, whatever tipped feather treble or some sort of hair treble would really make it look like those pinchers as that thing is crawling around down there. Why is that not ever caught on? Well, because if you notice, anytime you put something on the last treble hook of a crankbait, it starts to not run properly. Because because the, your pivot your pivot point on a crankbait is the center hook. So the bait's basically pivoting around the center hook. So anything you put on this hook will change things. Oh, I was unaware of that. So here, look at a lot of the crankbaits now. They put spinner baits on them, spinner blades on them. It's always on the center hook because this is where the bait's pivoting. Like when I suspend crankbaits, my lead goes here, and and my lead goes in my lead goes in front of it, and just behind it. So it's on the pivot point. So it's not changing the action. If you put the lead back here. It changes everything on the crankbait, the balance of the crankbait. So you don't want to do that. Um, you got to understand the pivot point of your bait, and the and the pivot point is usually this the this hook right here. First hook hanger closest to the bill. Right, first hook hanger closest to the bill is usually the pivot point. So it's very important to understand the balance of your of your crankbait. Okay, so I throw this bait on, I'll throw this bait on 10, 12, 14, depending on how deep I need to fish it, and depending on how much trash there is. Most of the time, I'm on 12. When I'm throwing the, the, the craw, I'm on 12. And I live with the horrors of maybe catching a big one in, in, on a piece of wood and maybe not getting them out, uh, just because I want, because there's times when I don't want to, have that thing smoking where i want to slow crank it um with a heavier line you got to keep it moving to keep it banging on the bottom okay uh 
the suspending craw crankbait comes into play more colder water, right? Yeah, it's not tr- it's not truly suspending that little that little lead um, thing that I put in there. That it doesn't make it suspend; it just makes it rise a little bit slower. Um, I I don't really want that bait suspending because I want it crawling over. And if I snag something, I want to stop it, shake the rod tip, and let it back itself out and then keep going again. Because this bait really roots. This bait really roots good in the rocks. And it's got a wide wobble, real wide wobble. So when you slow roll it, the thing's just doom, 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 doom. You know what I mean? It's really got a really good action to it. Unrelated, but kind of related because you're cranking with it. We'll give the people what they want, though. Rob would like to know if you still have a Powell Rod code. Yeah, Uncle Frank, all caps, 20% off. One word. Can you get blanks of those crawfish baits? Working on it, boys and girls. We're working on it. Ooh, look at that. We got awkward silence. No, I'm reading uh, Academic Mailbox said, listening to KVD on Bass U, Kevin talked about crawfish Im- imitating crawfish imitating crankbaits getting getting taken on the descent. I'm assuming reeling, ke- biting as they're reeling it down with yeah, the wobble action to the fall. As it's falling. It's really that cool. Means that's after the deflection and the bait corrects itself and starts to go back down. Um, if you've ever seen crayfish underwater, they scoot along the bottom, but when they hit something, they, you know, they change direction all the time. Um, it's really kind of cool. Go to a, go to one of your local streams and start turning over rocks. And, and when you see them, rouse them out of there and watch them scoot across that. Sometimes they go real high to the surface and then go back down. Sometimes they stop kicking and they fall down like that, like a, like a, a shrimp or something in salt water. I don't know what this means. Did Frank only use what was in the kit to paint that square bill the other day or use some of his tools? I mean, it doesn't come with any paint or anything like that. It's no, the blanks. kits don't come with paint. Um, they don't come with paint. They're just body blanks. Um, I actually paint this, you know, painted this myself with what I have, the paints that I have. Um, the stencils that I used, um, it's, this, it's a company called Anarchy Models. And basically, they have these um, patterns. They're, they're not stencils that you put around the bait. They're just flat plastic patterns. And um, they're called creature features. So they have all kinds of crazy marveling and modeling and all different sizes and everything. So you're only limited to your creativity. Um, this particular bait here, I use three stencils. I use the little red dots stencil which which um was um dots less modeled is what it is you can use lizard skin um these ones on the sides were called they're called blotchy so i used a micro and a small and then i overlam so when i i'm gonna have a video it's coming out on lure net that shows exactly how i painted that Wait a second. So, Does that so, thumb have an entry and an exit wound? No, this isn't the. No, this no, isn't... no. Your thumb that you were holding up. Oh, that's the thumb that went in. Yeah, that's the thumb. I got one on the back oh, side, okay. one on the front, one on the back. You didn't push it all the way through, did you? No. Okay. 
Mm-mm. No, the fish took care of all that for me. Oh, he was a, went in and ripped it out. He went in and he ripped it out, too. Oh, it's best case scenario if you're going to get stuck past the barb. Well, you know, yeah, rapidly. But you can't stop the bleeding when you do that very well. You got to super glue it. All right, what else we got? We have one more show before two week break. So what? So our next show's Thursday. Next week, next fifteenth. Then we're off the twenty second. We're off the twenty ninth. No twenty. Oh yeah, no twenty second. No twenty ninth. Yeah. So that would be 95. So then the 15th would be 96, 97, 98, 99. The 26th would be show 100. Wow. Crazy good, man. It's a lot of, that's a decent amount of shows. Hey, it's 100. Absolutely. Uh, I would be interested in hearing from some of the BTL listeners and viewers. You know what might be good? Uncle Frank, is to just put out a post on uh, Instagram, or if you don't have Instagram, you could email me, Matt, at Basso.com. We've covered a lot of stuff over 95 shows. We have. But if there's something that we have not covered that you guys think is valuable that you would like to hear, let us know. Yeah. Because a lot of, there have been show ideas, a lot of show ideas that have come based on the comment section you know we'll oh, be talking yes. about something and a couple guys will be like hey i want to know about that and then we'll be like hey that's a great idea for a show right so what happens like a lot of times i'll get dms on my instagram guys will have questions and i'll go oh that's i'm doing a show about that you know what i mean yeah. um because what happens is i i know what i know and matt knows what matt knows but we don't know what you guys want to know and so that's a lot of times you know, your your questions to me on my DMs and Instagram give me ideas of where to go. Like the grass show was predicated on that because I got some people were confused about milfoil and hydrilla and blah, blah, blah. So I said, well, let me mm-hmm. just go. Let me dive into that grass show a little bit. You know what I mean? And so that's how we do it, which is nice, actually, because then I don't run out of I don't get stale with ideas. Um, because sometimes if you, like, if you, if you see somebody who's good at their job, they make it look real easy, but they'll like, if like Frankie does a lot of mechanical work and so he'll be doing something, he'll go, Oh, it's easy, dad. You just do this, this and that. And, and, and that's it. But what he doesn't tell you is there's a spring in there. Don't let the spring fly out. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and so he, he knows that cause He's done breaks a million times, so he knows that. But I don't know that. You know what I mean? Oh, you got to crimp the hose or you'll have to bleed the lines. I don't know that. You you know what I'm saying? So you take things for granted. The more you do something, the better you become at it. You take a lot of it for granted. So when you explain it to somebody, you leave things out, not intentionally, but just because you know it so well that you just – you leave some things out. So there's a lot of times we'll be talking on the show and I might glaze over something. Like the that, tuning today. Right. A hundred percent. Like the tuning. Perfect. Because I'll glaze over that. And then, and then not realizing that there is a proper way. It's like putting treble hooks on a crankbait. There is a proper way to put the treble hooks on a crankbait. 
um, which I think we did once already, didn't we? Or did I do that on uh, on a video? Anyway, I'll show you. I don't remember. All I right, know I'm it, gonna, is this I'm the hook point you. in which direction they're pointing? Yeah. Okay. So the the end hook, the hook point has to point up. All right. The middle hook. If you lay the bait this way, the the two hooks on the side ride this way on the bait. They ride to the belly. So you're not, you don't have the hook this way and it's fighting itself every time the bait moves. They ride to the belly. Now, true be told, when the crankbait's running, the hook will be like that. But some crankbaits, the deep diver ones that go down, like this, but I don't have hooks on it. Like this, as it's diving down, the hook will go up the side of the belly. That's why you get rub marks over here on the crankbait. So there, so that there is proper ways to put hooks on, and I, I'm almost sure I got a video out on it. Here's I know the is rolling in. Okay. Seasonal breakdown of smallmouth on Western Lake Erie. That's awful specific. There, that's isn't that is that your bread and butter, <laughs> Uncle Frank? <laughs> yeah, but I can do I can do that. I mean, that's not difficult um, to do. We have done uh, plastics colors. Maybe we'll revisit that. New crab bug colors and sizes. Let's do it. We're Willie doing it. Lives in Orlando, Florida. You'd like to learn more about fishing dirty water and do you fish jigs in shallow water in Florida? Yeah, actually, I do. Um, Florida's a tricky animal because you have to define dirty in Florida. So here's the deal what I found. If the water becomes turbulent, let's say you have a wind episode and it looks cloudy and dirty. Mm -hmm. If it's sand, that's all up to, you know, if it's sand particulate matter that's mm -hmm. in the water, you might as well bail and go look for clean water because no bass is going to be comfortable breathing all that sand through no their Florida gills. Bass. No Florida bass. So, when I'm fishing in Florida, if it's dirty water, different. If it's that sand, which most of the time it is sand, um, I look for clear water. Biggest trick in Florida, there's always going to be clear water somewhere you have to find it. And, that, and those fish will be biting. It's not that the fish will go, oh, dirty water, let's swim around till we find clear water. It's just those fish become insanely negative. And they don't run after stuff. They're not going to chase. They're going to honker down. They're barely going to move. When they, you find the places with clean water, those bass will feed. People would like to know, have you ever done a show on jig building? No, I have not done a show on jig building. Although I do make a lot of my own, too. It's not here's, difficult. Here's a good one. Fishing the spawn in current. That's a, that's a great topic. I would be very interested in that one. Yeah, that's cool, actually. Um, because in the river systems, I'll just hit it real fat, real quick. Yeah. They're going to spawn where there's a current break. Because they don't want the eggs to be washed away. They'll be spawning where there's a current break. Sometimes it's behind a boulder. It's always going to be behind something in the main current or they're going to get off the main current they're always going to have some current flow but they'll be off the heavy current 
they're not going to be they're not going to spawn in the heavy current. That's good stuff. I would yeah, I would like a I would like an in-depth dive Perfect. into that because that's something that I'm going to have to face and you know, it's not like I'm like, "Hey, let's go to the river and sight fish." Uh, well, you, you you can't you can because um it's really predictable. Yeah, probably you could probably do some map breakdowns where you're like here is a 20 mile stretch of river and here's the three places they're going to spawn in. 100% well, yeah, guarantee. Well, 100% guarantee it because here look, boulders become insanely important, grass becomes insanely important, dock poles become insanely important, marina walls, marinas, anything that breaks the main current becomes insanely important in a river system during the spawn. Oh, I've done that on the James River in the Chickahominy in May. Yeah, absolutely. On the Cypress. Right. Where my co-angler was like, you see those white things up there? He goes, those are shell. That's a bed. And I'm like, well, it's dry right now. He's like, yeah, you guys, the fish are like right under the boat looking up there. And I'm yeah, like, well, what? Hey, and he goes, yeah, the, the tide's out. He said, they'll move right back up there. I said, oh, no way. I said, it's freaking dry right now. He goes, oh, they'll be up there. A couple hours later, I go back. And there they flip are. Flip on there. Donk swims off with the drop shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, they just, that's just how it goes, you know? River system, rivers are easy. They're easy because the current is predicts everything. The equation when you're fishing a river system. What just happened? I don't know. Chatterbaits. Chatterbaits. Bladed jigs. The new spinner bait. Yeah, we, have, <laughs> we, have you done a full-on bladed? You've done a bladed jig episode? No. No, Mm-mm. you don't sound thrilled um, to do a bladed jig episode, Uncle Frank. I, I, in all honesty, I catch a lot of fish on them, but don't throw them often. When I okay. pick them up, it's because I'm catching them on it. Um, and I've learned a lot of things about it. Uh, and I, I'm going to make people mad at me. <laughs> uh, what I like the bladed jigs that are. I'll be, I'm just going there. We're going, we're doing it. All right. It's overtime. Overtime with Uncle Frank. Yeah. We're now at six in. So you're, you're free to. All right. So we're going to just touch on this and then we could touch on it in more detail at a later date. I like bladed jigs where the blade is connected to the jig eye. You get way more movement way more vibration out of the actual jig body. When you put a, when you put a a split ring between the eye and the jig blade, the blade moves more than the jig moves. Okay. So that's the one thing that I look for. And, um, I don't want a super massive long hook in them either. I like more of a, compact hook size because then I can make that thing as big or small as I want it. Um, and that's pretty much what I look for. I do throw a lot of uh, chatterbait style um, stuff with swim baits on it and no skirts. So I do a lot of that, especially in spotted bass waters. But that's that's about it. I mean, we we can get in detail braid versus fluoro versus mono. Um, I'm fifty fifty on braid versus fluoro. I go I go half and half. 
I had a great day. I had a great day on braid. Actually fishing. I started out blowing it through grass, which was good for the braid because it snaps through the grass like effortlessly. But I found that I was bringing it through wood equally as effortless, except if I got a little overzealous with the braid, I would bury it up in the wood all the time. Because sometimes the braid will hit that wood and start making a groove in the wood, softer, you know, softer wood, willows and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, where the floral was a little bit better, bigger line diameter, didn't cut the wood as much. Um, So there's little things, you know, here and there on that. Tidal Rivers, another topic. Oh, Hudson River's cooler than crap. That's all. Oh, dude. I'm not, because we're over time, so I'm just going to let it rip. But um, the Hudson River's tide fluctuation is way greater than what you've experienced on the James or on the Potomac. It's like you could be in a backwater on the upper Hudson. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to be in that backwater till the tide comes back because you can't get out. I think it, I'm not 100 percent sure, but isn't it like a four foot, four and a half foot tide up there? I could be wrong, but it's a big tide. It's huge. Yeah, it's a big. Swim. And the, and dude, the smallmouth fishing up there was, oh, my God. It's fun. Predictable and action packed. Oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And I went so far up that river, dude. It was like kayak water. <laughs> Do you try any of the new fangled rigs? Any of the YouTube rigs? Any of the weird Japanese rigging? Any of that stuff? I mean, you're an old school dude. You talk about old school stuff, but you also stay cutting edge. I mean, we just talked about yeah. the Rebel We Are, and I, I don't know what this is. I've never even heard of this. Jason said, have you ever? What is the bean rig? I have no clue. I don't know what the bean rig is. I don't know. Something you experience after taco night. I don't know what the bean rig is. Here's the thing out. The black bean rig, is it the next big thing? Um, You know, I mean, I experiment with stuff all the time. But I always go back to the best ways that I catch them if that makes any sense to you there's a there's a time and a place for everything like here look okay forward facing sonar i don't have it my son has it frankie has it so when i fish with him it's a forward facing sonar day cuz he can't keep his eyes off of it all right so i'm learning a lot about bass behavior basically mm-hmm. um with that and so then uh, like the other day we were out i didn't have forward facing sonar on my little boat um but because of what i've seen over time with his i'm like oh these fish they're not here where they're supposed to be i bet you they're out here and then we started catching them um so just because just because you don't have something doesn't mean you don't learn from it uh and that's you know that's kind of what I'm always doing. I'm always trying to learn from something. A technique is developed because of a certain reason. Mm-hmm. Understand the reason and you'll understand, you know, why the fish are doing what they're doing. And then you could find other ways to catch them as well. 
This is interesting. The bean rig is basically a like a uh yeah, I'll just show it real quick just so you can you could get an idea for what it is. So you see the weight right there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See how it like so when it falls instead of that it's just like it's one of those deals that's like a uh more fish, efficient way to almost kind of like that Tokyo rig that came out a couple of years Yeah, ago. the Tokyo rig I I I made a bunch of those when it came out. I made them myself and I fished them for two days and I'm like, yeah, okay. I just, uh, there's things that you could do with the Tokyo rig that are sweet, like put little swim baits on them and drag them around. Um, but for flipping, pitching, punching, I'm staying traditional. I know guys will yell, but that's just me. All right, we'll hit a couple more, and then we'll wrap things up. You're doing a, a masterful job, especially with being under the weather. Would never have guessed it. <sighs> I'm ready for this thing to end, man. For the show or the sickness? The, sh- the sickness. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, we can cut it off. It's Uncle Frank's show. You do whatever. No, you want. I'm. I no, dude. The problem is, is I, I'll talk all day. Uh, Donald Judy would like to know kayak specific shows. I'm out on anything kayak specific show. I would assume you are out on kayak specific shows too, although you are, you do have a lot of experience fishing from the bank. I do. I have a lot of experience fishing from my canoe too. Um, that's how I started. I started with a canoe, and then because we because kayaks back when I was a kid were you know something you saw in National Geographic. Um, so yeah. That's correct, John. No forward-facing sonar on Frank Scalish's rig. I don't. I do not have that side imaging and two D. I will have three sixty somewhere soon. in Joplin, Missouri. A man with a mullet is smiling. <laughs> Go and bring back the flasher. <laughs> bring back the flasher. Uh, this is a good question. What are the first couple of quality? reels that you bought with your own money after you first caught the fishing sickness spinning and bait casting reels oh that's great okay so my first spinning reels my first spinning reel of quality uh my first spinning reel i would have to say was a pen a little pen ultralight um and then i went from there to a lose uh s2 spinning reel and then from there, I went to Daiwa, and I stayed with Daiwa spinning reels ever since. The first bait caster I ever bought for myself was a Ryobi VMAG 4, which I co- quickly got rid of and went straight to lose. Um, and then through lose for a lot of for a lot of my lifetime through lose, then switched over to Cronarks, Shimano Cronarks CH100s. And now I throw Revo STXs and then and winches and lose uh, cranking reels. That Ryobi VMAG 4 looks like it's like. Dude, it's <laughs> archaic. It's archaic. What did it have? Four ball bearings? Yeah, I mean, the only place that it's available at is on eBay. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, they haven't made that in decades. So yeah, so that's that's it. I still throw Daiwa spinning reels, and um, 
lose cranking reels and uh, Revo STX for most of my other stuff. But I'm starting to move things over to lose, to be honest with you guys. Yeah, it's good stuff. They came out with that new one that's like looks like something that belongs in an art museum. I just can't keep up with all the reels they make. Yeah, there's a ton of reels. Yeah, I can't keep up with it. All right. It's a good show today. It was fun. Rebel R took some questions, learned how to tune a crankbait. We did, yeah, the, uh, and the D seventy six is actually available on Lurenet. Yeah, the Rebel we did DPL, a uh, a little R and D, a little Reese, a little uh, finalized the loaded to the cork T shirt. I'll get on that as yeah, soon as the show's over, and like right, I said, so we'll let you know when that's out. I got to get you my signature ASAP. Yeah, that should take five minutes after the show. Maybe two. <laughs> two. Maybe two. That's cool. It'll be the real signature though. Oh yeah. All right, this has been another edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. Next week, Day 4, number 96. We'll see you then. Close.